Thanks, Shah. Um, let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. We ask of you that as we look into the word, that you open our eyes to discover and see treasures in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, everyone. Um, so we have been looking at John's Gospel and we're at chapter 9. So I will be sharing a few thoughts with us this morning um, on chapter 9. So... Basically, John has been, you know, trying to make us see uh, who Jesus Christ uh, really is. So his deity is God in the flesh. And throughout all the chapters we've been looking at, he's been, you know, projecting Jesus as the son of God, as the son of man, as God in the flesh. And in this particular chapter 19, um, basically chapter 19 captures Jesus' sentence, uh, crucifixion, and um, burial uh, but the holy spirit through john brilliantly presents even in the midst of jesus's suffering his identity as the king as the messiah and as the lord of all and that's what we're going to have a quick look at um, this morning so i'm just going to um look at it from maybe four major headings very quickly so jesus as the mocked king jesus as the innocent king Jesus as the rejected king and Jesus as the crucified king. And so I'm just going to jump in very quickly. So Jesus, the mocked king. If we look at John chapter 19, we'll read from verses 1 to 3 and then verse 19 for starters. So then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Now, if you look at verse 19 um, and 20, I believe. So Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests, um, so I'll stop there, that's verse 20. Now, very quickly, I just want to point this out. So Jesus was dressed as a king and the soldiers, you know, mocked him. And, you know, the, the irony of the whole mockery is the fact that the one that has been mocked as king is truly the king. And so John presents to us that even in the midst of Jesus' suffering, his identity shone through. So whilst they were mocking him, they were presenting the truth about him. He is the king. Now, he's not just the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king of the whole earth. And, you know, perhaps you're watching this broadcast this morning and the idea of Jesus being the king to you is laughable. I really want to encourage you to change your mind and embrace him as the king. You know, one thing the Bible is very clear about is that at the end of the age, at the end of all things, whether we like it or not, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord because he is truly the king. And so we see Jesus being mocked as king. I know for us as disciples of Jesus, we are encouraged to expect to be mocked. Just like our master was mocked, Jesus told his disciples many times, a servant cannot be greater than his master. And so if they mocked me, if they, you know, 
disobeyed me, if they rejected me, they will probably do the same for you. And I think we should take encouragement from the followers of Christ that even if we are mocked, they mocked our master. You know, as a matter of fact, the disciples, you know, in the book of Acts, they went rejoicing each time they suffer for Christ because they counted it like a privilege to suffer for him. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29, the Bible tells us that we have been called not just to believe on Jesus, but to also suffer with him. So Jesus, the mocked king. Now I'll go to the next one. Jesus, the innocent king. And we can see that idea from verses 4 to 6. So once more, Pilate came out and said to the, to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Now, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. Verse 6, As soon as the chief priests and the other officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Again, God in his wisdom helps us to see through all of this that this man Jesus, the King Jesus, was suffering not just, not for his sins, but for the sins of the world. His innocence is important and is key to our salvation. If he was suffering as a sinner, then he is not worthy to be the Savior. So even though he was mocked, even though he was asked to save himself, the Bible makes it clear to us that he was suffering and being mocked for what he did not do. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, we see the picture of two criminals that were nailed together with Jesus. One of them said, well, why don't you save yourself and save us also? And the other answered him, well, we are suffering for what we've done, but this man has done no wrong. So again, we see clearly in Scripture that this man is innocent. You know, he's suffering for the envy of the Jews, for the cowardice of Pilate, you know, who, even though knew he was innocent, still gave him up um, to be crucified. Now, in case you're watching this morning and maybe you have suffered unjustly or maybe you are suffering unjustly right now, again, we have an example in Jesus. And sometimes we might wonder, wow, what's God looking at? Why, why, why is God not intervening or why is God not doing anything about my situation or condition? We have an example in Jesus who suffered unjustly for a greater good. Now, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 to look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despite the shame. I have an encouragement for us from 1 Peter, and this is what Peter says to us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20, I read very quickly, from verse 20 rather to 24. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. There you have it. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hauled their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he, did not, he, did, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore in, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. So there we have the innocent Jesus who suffered 
not for his sin, but for the sins of the whole world. And then we have the rejected king. Look, look at verse 13 um, to 15. So when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is called Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The chief priest answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Now, we have a classic rejection of Jesus on this place. So earlier in chapter 18, Pilate had offered to, you know, release Jesus to them. But rather than taking, um, rather than taking Pilate at his offer, they requested for Barabbas instead, a criminal, a, um, a rebel. And so basically they rejected um, the king and the prince of peace and they requested a rebel in his place. You know, they chose Caesar as their king over the king of kings. And even Pilate chose to, you know, submit to the pressures of the, of the Jews rather than do what was right. He chose to protect his career rather than face with the truth, which was the fact that Jesus was in us. How do you hand a man who you know? Six times in the Gospels, the Bible declares that Jesus was innocent by Pilate. Now, even though he knew that, he still went ahead to crucify him. Now, the real question is this this morning, how often do we crucify him? How often do we reject him? You know, each time we, we choose our own agenda over and above his, it's a rejection of him. Each time we decide to be politically correct rather than hold up his truth, it's a rejection of him. You know, Bible tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 12, from verse 11, it says, Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. Talking about the Jews. So, but to as many as received him, he gave the right to become sons of God. So we here we see the rejected king. Now I want to go quickly to the last bit, which is the crucified king. Now from verse 16, I'll read again. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Now, so the, the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carry, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. So here we have Jesus being crucified. I'll read from verse 28 very quickly. So later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the isoplant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, I just want to quickly highlight a few things from these few verses that we've read about the crucified. And so finally, Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified. And then we see this timeless, powerful expression in verse 30. Bible says, Jesus said, it is finished. I love this expression. 
In the Greek is the word tetelestai. You know, and I'm particularly interested in it because it's an accounting term, you know, is is a business term, which means paid in full, finished, accomplished, done, fulfilled. It was as though Jesus was saying, well, there is an invoice that has been issued on the old world and there is a full payment. You know, just like, you know, you bought a product and they sent you an invoice. And when the invoice is paid, you stamp it with paid. It means that there is no debt. There is nothing standing or outstanding in the account. It's been paid in full. Now, this is the exact idea Jesus has given us. While he hung on that tree, he said, it is done. Every debt that we owe has been paid by his death. And that is the beauty of this old crucifixion. So we see Jesus declared on the, on the cross for us, it is done. And then another interesting thing we see, which brings the glory of this King Jesus, is the fact that he said, the Bible says, he gave up. His spirit. He gave up his spirit. You know, we, we, we've considered how that Jesus was handed over because of the envy of the Jews and all of that. And so, but let's not make a mistake about it. Jesus, even though was a subject of envy and, you know, people doing their own thing and all on conspiracy, but let's not make a mistake. He wasn't a victim of a murder. Jesus died as a sacrifice. That expression again of the spirit gives us an idea that this man was not murdered. This man gave himself. You know, Jesus said to us in John 10, verses 17 to 18. I'll read that to us very quickly. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one take it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command have I received of my father. Now, John brilliantly brings to bear the glory of this King Jesus. The king that was crucified is not the king that was murdered, but the king who willingly laid down his life. You know, a songwriter says, amazing love. How can it be that my king should die for me? That is exactly what we have here in John's gospel. And so the last bit I just want to point our attention to before I finish is to just read from verse 38. So later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And then he goes on to say that Joseph took the body alongside with Nicodemus, and they buried him. I just want to say that Jesus died. Jesus paid by his life. He didn't just enter a coma. He didn't just um, pass out, as it were. As a matter of fact, the soldiers pierced his side and blood and water gushed out, which scientifically, you know, I'm not a doctor, but it's a proof that his heart ruptured and he truly died. And I just want to say to us that Jesus paid by his life. He died for us and by his death. We can have life in him. So that is the gist of the crucified king. You know, at this point, Jesus died and was buried. But that's not how the story ends. And I would just like to specially invite you to join us on this platform next week to hear the end of the story. Because three days later, something amazing and remarkable happened about this king. So I'm going to hand you over to Josh for the rest of the meeting. Thank you.